Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Stephen Kennedy. Stephen Kennedy is not the typical guest. And the reason why is because of what he actually does. He coaches and works with dads through the birthing experience. And I have to say, I was very surprised when I learned what he does because I didn't know something like this existed. I didn't know this was a resource. I didn't know that there were men out there who coached other dads through the birthing experience. So right off the bat, I knew that if I connected with him, I would be in for quite an education. So I'm excited to have him on because I know you're going to learn so much for him. He's also the founder of the Prepare Foundation. So we're going to learn a little bit about all these different things that he does. So Stephen, thank you so much for being on the program. Oh, Jonathan, it's it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Starting out, what is your favorite dad joke? Oh, well, when it comes to dad's dad jokes, look, I, I'm just a big fan of any kind of pun. Any pun is, is to me, you know, a classic. But um, so my partner was uh, recently getting her eyes lasered to, to allow her to see better. And, and we were t- she was telling a friend and her friend said, oh, um, oh, that kind of technology is improved out of sight. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's awesome. But I think um, one of my other ones is, you know, what did the ocean say to the boy? Uh, nothing. He just waved. Um, I like that one. <laughs> I like I like puns too. My father in law is just a a genius and a whiz at puns. He can just they just roll off his tongue one after another. It seems almost nonstop. So dinner conversations can be quite entertaining. So I, I do love puns. Yeah, it's it's mag- magnificent when you get a few rolling on and a few people riffing off each other. You know, it it does. It, it, yeah, it makes me laugh. So you are the founder of the Prepare Foundation. What is the Prepare Foundation and why did you start it? Yeah, so the Prepare Foundation uh, is a registered charity here in Australia. So with tax deductible status, uh, fully registered uh, by the government. Prepare sounds for perinatal relationship education and paternal advocacy research and engagement. It's a bit of a mouthful, but mm-hmm. it is it, it does define all of the things that we want to do in this in this early fatherhood space. We mostly work with first time fathers because we feel that it, it, it's about maternity care a, a lot of the time, and it's it's about uh, trying to educate dads uh, or expectant dads essentially, uh, about what is coming up for them. So we, we want to work in the relationship education space, uh, help men understand that when they do become fathers uh, and in that first year, it, it is a difficult time for their relationship. Uh, up to 92% of couples report that they have increased conflict around this time. And I think that uh, that not only dads, but mothers as well are, are kind of blindsided by the changes in their relationship. Uh, the intimacy might go, uh, the connection, it, you know, they go from being connected to one another to just trying to look after their child. So uh, it, the dynamics of relationships really changes. So we want to kind of, I guess you'd say, warn fathers of that and just say that, look, any changes in identity of yourself and your partner and your relationship are all natural and not to blame the individual person for the way she 
the way the mother might have to just look after the child. So there's the relationship education. We want to advocate for fathers in this space. So in Australia, I guess it's the same in the US and in other countries. Dads don't get to stay overnight straight after their baby is born. Sometimes they're asked to leave and, and, and we feel that that's actually counterintuitive to having you know, nurturing, uh, you know, kind of looking after brand new families. And I, I talk to a lot of dads who, who that really, it, it harms them emotionally. Uh, so research, we're also doing some research with uh, some, some universities here. We're working with uh, Western Sydney University on culturally and linguistically diverse fathers at the moment. And we, we're always looking for opportunities to, you know, expand the research base around fathers, uh, which, you know, um, does need looking at, have to, I'd have to say. And then we've got engagement. So the engagement side is trying to get dads themselves involved uh, during pregnancy uh, in order to be better prepared for birth and, and that, you know, that transition to fatherhood, that, that first crucial thousand days of a child's life. Yeah, so that's mm. the Prepare Foundation. And you're also the founder of Birthing Dads. What is that yes. and why did you start it? Well, Birthing Dads is a social enterprise and it it essentially has uh, products that that help like educate fathers. That's the engagement arm of the charity. And so it's it's set up in order to provide a sustainable funding source for the charitable work. So we have we have a trans transition to fatherhood package, which is a four hour online uh, video kind of um, educational course that I, I present and I've interviewed 15 of Australia's top perinatal experts and asked them what kind of advice they would give the first time father. And we've also licensed a, a product from the UK called DadPad. So I just put a plug out there for DadPad. Um, it, it's a wonderful resource for when you, you've got the baby in your arms and, and you're wondering what next. It is a you know comprehensive uh, manual. <laughs> a lot of people say you don't get manuals for for children, but this is is you know teaches that first time father those those really crucial things around I around even holding your baby, you know, and, and changing nappies and and soothing them and you know just working out their communication style. And we've also licensed another another product called Towards Parenthood, which is created by. A, a not-for-profit organisation here in Australia called the Parent and Infant Research Institute. And they do a lot of research around you know, what the name suggests, uh, parents and infants, and they created something called Towards Parenthood, which is like a, a preparation manual and it's got a lot of questions and you fill out the questions and you know it gets you really talking about, about what's to come, talk, talking about your relationship, talking about you know, your parenting style and, and it's really trying to to get parents prepared before they cross that threshold. So those things and plus of other a couple of other things make up what we call the, you know, the transition to fatherhood package. I would have loved to know to have known about these resources and had access to them um, before my first son was born. That would have been a, a huge help. And I know it would have been a a big help to many other dads as well, but it is not too late for dads listening now uh, for new dads. These are great resources. So I, I appreciate you sharing them. Oh, so we're going to go I, into something that may be uh, a little bit of a 
challenge or difficult to talk about. I'm coming into this with an open mind because a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I honestly don't know the answers to. So for this dad that's listening right now, for that dad, I'm going to be learning right along with you. So let's start with the first question on on why we're here. So we're talking about birth trauma. What is birth trauma and how does it happen to dads? And also, what are the differences in the resources available to help dads and moms who experience birth trauma? Sure, sure. Well, look, uh, trauma is is something that is experienced by by anyone uh, when they witness or experience a perhaps their their partner or their baby in danger. It, you know, it, where the stakes are very high and and they're very, they're in very uh, grave danger of of uh, passing away so that can cause emotional trauma in men birth trauma for women is it's two-pronged there's there's physical trauma as well as emotional trauma in australia they say that about 33 percent of women or a third of women will will describe their their birth as as traumatic we don't have numbers for men we haven't done that study. That's actually on the on the back burner for the Prepare Foundation. We want to know how many how many men are are experiencing trauma. So, mm. if a man goes through goes through witnessing his partner with um, a hemorrhage, or she gets rushed away to surgery, he's left with the baby. Maybe the baby is born with a, a low APGAR score, which is a measure of the health of a newborn baby, and that can you know cause ongoing uh, traumatic kind of flashbacks and you know in men it presents as irritability anger lack lack of concentration those kind of things uh, and when it comes to the resources that are you know, you know geared towards men and women um, there's the Australian birth trauma association there's also a birth trauma association in the UK uh, but for dads at the moment there isn't there isn't really a lot going on. So uh, there's a bit of stigma around birth trauma in men, just like there's stigma in uh, postnatal mental health issues in men as well. One study recently showed that, uh, and it was across Canada, the UK, the US and Australia, and they surveyed 4,000 men and and 45% of those didn't realise that they could also get postnatal depression. And so, yeah, that's right. So men aren't even realizing uh, that, uh, and this is this is what happened to me. I experienced birth trauma, which was the reason why we're here, or that I'm here, uh, because I experienced birth trauma, and and afterwards I kind of thought, well, the birth wasn't that bad, and you know, and, and I had all of the all of the um, the symptoms that I've just you know previously mentioned. Stephen, the same and- thing happened to me. I experienced the exact same thing. So it it really is a thing. It it really does exist for men. Oh, it's prevalent. Look, uh, and I think there's it's a silent uh, societal kind of issue and problem that actually cascades into a lot of other social areas of of our lives. I do truly believe that we have men walking around with traumatic uh, birth experiences that have not been processed because they have very little place to go about that. So even if they talk to their their sister or their their brother-in-law or the guy down the street or their golfing partner, you know, they say, "Oh, wow, that was that was so tough." The first response is all not always, but is 
most likely to be, well, I think your partner probably had it a lot worse than you did, mate. Suck it up. And Mm -hmm. I find that it's actually really a, uh, it's kind of this mixed message that we're giving to men. On, on, On the one level, we're kind of trying to say to men, hey, guys, we want you to be more connected to your heart, to be more emotional, to share what's going on with your emotional landscape. But on the other hand, when it comes to childbirth, we want them just to suck it up and not to share because it's kind of like, well, the woman has a, a much more significant experience, which is absolutely true. And I totally support that. And we have to support mothers. But I also say that the experience of men is not automatically, therefore, insignificant. And what, we, what, we, what I found through my research is that I, I do believe that men carry this and that it goes into our society in really unhelpful ways. It can manifest mm. as domestic violence, uh, domestic and family violence. It can manifest as, you know, suicide, isolation, uh, substance abuse in men, uh, mental health issues. And those kind of society-wide kind of aspects are really problematic. And I think that that's one aspect of, uh, you know, the masculine kind of evolution that we have to look at and say, well, if guys are having an emotional experience here, we do have to create a space for them to be able to share that and just be more open about what they're experiencing when it comes to childbirth because, you know, childbirth isn't, it, it's dangerous sometimes and, you know, bad things happen. And that makes me wonder too, because are some dads shy about having that second child if they had a birth trauma experience the first time around? And is that, is there some thought going on somewhere in the back of their heads some, maybe a form of guilt that's saying, I did that, or I might have caused that. I might be responsible for that event that happened. And I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to be the instigator or the reason that that traumatic event happens a second time. I mean, is this a background thought that's happening in many fathers' heads? Oh, look, definitely uh, don't want a second child. I have uh, anecdotal evidence around that, but I don't have any evidence to say that men are blaming themselves about the first traumatic event. Although, and the reason for that is we haven't asked them. So down the track, we will be asking men whether or not, you know, they felt that uh, they were responsible. And I, I do believe that that is the case in, in some, you know, some cases. And that's exactly why I'm trying to do the work that I'm doing so, so that men walk in with a bit more confidence and, and uh, you know, trust childbirth because I think that's one of the things that was overlooked when they when they brought men into the room back in the 1970s they didn't really you know they wouldn't have sat back and kind of thought well we can't bring men in because it it triggers childbirth will trigger their primal protector role Mm -hmm. and therefore bring adrenaline into the room you know and that's that's the thing that I think is happening in birth suites all of all over the world the, the protector role in men is being is being triggered. They they have an emotional uh, kind of fear response, and that fear can be passed on to the the birthing woman, and that actually slows down labour, and it may just also be partly responsible for the the poor statistics that we see in in Western democracies of you know high cesarean rates, high trauma rates, actually high uh, maternal mortality rates. A statistic for you that I'm not sure you're aware of, but in the United States, a woman is twice as more likely to die in childbirth than her own mother. 
Wow. So it's not improving in the States and it's definitely not improving in Australia. Sounds like we really need a wake up call in the States. Oh yeah. Look, the, the, the birth culture in the United States really has got some serious problems. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the cesarean rate has increased 500% in one generation. And if anyone's interested in kind of looking into a little more detail around that, uh, Dr. Neil Shah, N-E-L Shah, he's a, he's a wonderful uh, obstetrician who's been doing a lot of magnificent work on trying to discover what, you know, what, how, why that's happening. Yeah, I would say we definitely need a wake-up call because what we're doing isn't working so well. And if anything, it is causing a lot of damage and on so many levels. So yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stereotypes that are out there. And I think some of these stereotypes may be generational when it comes to dads. So are a lot of new dads missing out on opportunities to bond with their baby because of stereotypes? Or is it just not feeling confident? And if so, how? Yeah, so of yes, absolutely. They are missing out on opportunities. and. And the reason for that is, as you say, confidence, but it's it's also got to do with societal values. And and I, I whenever I talk about my work, I realise and I, I share that I do believe that this is a generational project. I'm not going to see the outcomes. <laughs> it is a long, long-term kind, I'm, you know, I'm trying to change a few thousand years of culture and, and trying to <laughs> introduce men into this this world. And, and I think that, I think, personally, I think that that's the one problem, uh, the one solution that we haven't actually addressed. We brought men into the room in the 1970s. They caused a lot of trouble and they're still, <laughs> they're still kind of, you know, uh, there's still a bit of that going on. And the one thing that hasn't strategically and comprehensively been tried is engaging fathers and saying, this is what childbirth looks like. This is how you can help. So when it comes to parenting, our whole society is, is you know, it, we're at a, a transition zone, I believe, and that is going from the father that is the stoic uh, protector, uh, provider and disciplinarian. That, that, in the 70s and the 60s, you know, I'm, I'm generalising here, it's hard not to in this, in this environment, in mm-hmm. this world of birth, but that was their role. So Dad would go to work, he'd come home, if the child had done anything, uh, you know, untoward, He'd have to have a word with the child. Sometimes it was more than that. And he was stoic and he was a, you know, an emotional brick. Now, mm-hmm. men are opening up a little. <laughs> and that's thankfully, we're starting to be exposed to the idea that we can be nurturing and tender and loving to our children and also be masculine. And I think that that's a wonderful you know, part of our evolution in masculinity. But it, as I say, I think it's in a transition. There are certain men who say to themselves, Oh, I can do this. I can do it all. Everything except for breastfeeding, I'm capable of. And incidentally, when you when you look at uh, the the hormonal landscape, the hormones are the chemical uh, that is expressed throughout the body, and it allows us to feel and and change our emotional emotional uh, attitude towards things, and also the changes in uh, neurobiology in our brains when we become fathers are very similar to the changes in the brain when the mother becomes a mother for the first time or second or third time, and also the changes in her hormones are the same as the changes in a dad. So we actually have really? a human response to a child being around us, not a, you know, 
a gendered one, you know, kind of like a feminine and a masculine. It, it, that is actually been proven scientifically to not be the case. So the science is in, and we do know that men are absolutely capable of being of, of meeting the needs, every need of a child, so that nurturing, tender, loving, caring side of, of, of dads can take care of that. But we haven't, we haven't taught the guys that yet. So we still have, we still have like people who, who their own parents might have been in that gendered sense and, you know, that mum did all the caring and dad was still that stoic, you know, because we're, we're in a, these first few generations of change. And I do yeah, think this is I, very yeah. this is a very recent thing. You're absolutely right. I mean, mm. this is how it was for the boomer generation. And so you have the Gen Xers that are sitting right on that fence of, okay, there's this new way that we can look at at fathering right from the early years within the first thousand days. It can look differently, but at the same time, this is the way I was brought up. And this seems more confident because this is what I know. And there's this generational straddling. And then on the other side of that, you have Generation Z and all the future generations from there that are more open to doing things completely differently. I, I look at the work that you have cut out for you trying to do, trying to change generations of stereotypes that just really don't work very well. Yeah, and it well, just seems like a monumental task. Oh, look, it is. And I, I don't think about it like that, but um, <laughs> otherwise <laughs> I would stop. But um, look, parent, parenting has also changed. You know, it, parenting itself has changed. We've done, in the last two decades, we've done more, you know, research into parenting. We talk, we, we know much more about attachment styles. We know much more about, you know, what works when it comes to discipline. We know and harm that some physical discipline can have. And so the parents of today are much better equipped to bring up awesome humans. And when, I, I mean, even speaking from my own experience, when we look back and we kind of like, like my mother and what the way she parented, you know, there wasn't much that I wanted to carry forward. A lot, a lot of it was, you know, I mean, she taught me the, the basics a lot, but there are certain aspects that I was just like, I don't think I'm going to want to be doing that, mum, you know. And, and I think that as parents today, we know a lot more than we did before. And, and, and even I think that we, we sometimes reject the, uh, you know, that generational kind of the past, the past parenting styles. One of the things I would say to a new dad who's, who's holding that newborn, face it with a sense of curiosity, not, uh, not uh, inadequacy. Mm. So be curious about what your child is trying to say by their crying. So babies do communicate. You know, they've got a few different types of cry. So this cry means I'm cold. This cry means I'm hungry. This cry means my, my, my nappy is wet, diaper. <laughs> Uh, and, and so have that sense of curiosity and remember that newborn babies, even although they look like they're made of porcelain, they're actually quite resilient. Okay. So as long as you're holding them correctly and you know, supporting their neck and, and just, you know, facing things with a, with an, a, with an outlook of love and an outlook of tenderness, then that baby will, will be fine. And even although it might cry a fair bit <laughs> or a little bit, it's Okay like a crying baby is just trying to communicate with you. It's actually mm -hmm. just exactly the same as a toddler saying, I'm hungry. Okay. And, and so that baby is, it's crying and you think, Oh my God, this is, it's really, really serious. It's serious, but it's not. 
it's actually not that serious when your baby is crying. Sometimes it is, sorry. You know, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to kind of make sure that it's not an emergency. But It's yeah, just a language. Like, yeah, it's just a language and not to be all kind of pent up and not, not to get too overwhelmed by the idea of, of them crying. It's okay. And the more you have that attitude of it's okay, it's all right, they're not, they're not harmed right now, they're just trying to tell me something and having that curiosity of what is it they're trying to tell me? That's, that's really where I think you can find your groove quite easily because you don't get um, upset or taken over by the idea that there's something actually going wrong. And you are correct. There, there has been some knowledge out there that there are specific cries that mean very specific things. And if you can learn what those cries are, what to listen for so you can identify the cry, then you know exactly that, okay, this cry means uh, he or she is hungry. This cry means, yes, they they need a, a diaper or a nappy change. If you can really crack the code on that and know what to listen for, you can be so much further along and it would do wonders for your confidence. This doesn't have to be a guessing game. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're the working parent, if you have to go out and, and earn money to, you know, survive, uh, then then when you come home, keep that curiosity going and ask your partner, what did you learn today? Was it, you know, what happened today? What, you know, was, what, what, what happened today that I should know about? So that you're actually, you keep up to speed with, with where you're both, you know, I, I really encourage couples to work as a team. That's exactly what parenting should be like. You should mm, be in a situation yes. where you can pick up, uh, if your partner is like feeling down for a day, maybe two, you pick up the slack. I try to share with guys that it's actually about, like you really do have to share everything. You have to start kind of showing up with, with all the chores, all the things that a family has to do to, to kind of, you know, get through life. You have to start cooking for the, for the child. You have to be involved. Stephen, how can dads get a hold of you or your organization for help or for questions? Yeah, well, we're on Insta at Birthing Dads uh, and, and uh, Prepare Foundation is also on Instagram. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, www.birthingdads.com.au. And we're about to release that package that I mentioned in, in the beginning. We've got about a month before we finalize all the license agreement. So that'll be out soon. And also the uh, www.prepare.org.au. So that's uh, pretty much what I'm up to. And, and there are some resources on the Prepare Foundation site. I mean, if there's anyone wants uh, some free resources there, we've created We've created some documents uh, that have been translated into six languages. Uh, one of them is just, you know, how to work as a team during pregnancy, how to work as a team during birth, and how to work as a team, you know, in that first uh, year. And we've also got uh, some other some other visual and images and posters and, and stuff like that that you can you can go to and and have a look at what what we've been doing. And just to make things a little bit easier, I'm going to post links to the uh, links that you just mentioned. They are going to be in the description of this episode at the very bottom of the description. So if you go to the fatherhoodchallenge.com, that's the fatherhoodchallenge.com and you go to this episode, go to the description and look below the description. The links will be there just to make it a little bit easier. So Stephen, thank you so much for being on the program. It's been an absolute honor to have you on. 
And I've learned a lot just from our conversation. And I know our listening dads have as well. So thanks again. I really appreciate the opportunity. I I could uh, talk underwater about this stuff. Um, And I guess I'm going to have to because it will take a while to to get this, this change that I'm seeking across the line. So yeah, thanks for all the work you're doing as well. This is a wonderful podcast and I look forward to listening to some more episodes in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.